Hi, and welcome back to season five of That's What She Did podcast. We're dedicated to amplifying the voices of the women leaders, innovators, and rebels you don't already know. We highlight everyday women who are impacting today's social issues, while also centering the voices of women of color. In short, we curate the stories of brilliant women. This season, we're bringing you Women Who Disrupt. Each episode, you're going to hear from an impactful and inspiring woman who push your thinking, challenge your assumptions, and most importantly, inspire you to find a way to create impact in your corner of the world. I'm Tangier Renee, creator and host of That's What She Did. Thank you for joining me and your fellow inspiration junkies as we learn from and connect with today's brilliant women. Hey friends, I'm back. It's me, Tangi Renee, and you are listening to season five, episode three of That's What She Did podcast. This is the Women X Who Disrupt series. Let me introduce you to pro women's golfer Cheyenne Woods and podcast and TV producer Maribel Quezada Smith. Together, Cheyenne and Maribel created a new podcast that is disrupting the golf industry called Birdies Not BS Podcast. You might be wondering what could possibly be disruptive about a golf podcast. I admit I had the same thought. But as women of color who live in and around the golf world, Cheyenne and Maribel have seen firsthand how detrimental the lack of diversity and the boys club mentality can be not only on the game of golf, but society as well. So they created Birdies Not BS podcast to spread not only a no BS general knowledge about golf, but Also to allow for a space where conversations on uncomfortable topics like sexism and racism can happen in the golf industry. This is a golf show hosted and produced by an all person of color team. And I'll repeat, it's about golf. And they have a pretty loyal following because they're having these conversations about racism and sexism. And of course, the sprinkled in of golf knowledge about golf. That's the part that I can't get over. It's golf. I mean, it's a thing that I never, ever think about. But they're here today to talk about their experience in this little podcast that turned into sort of a big deal about golfing. Let's get started. All right, folks, welcome back, my inspiration junkies, to another episode of Season 5, That's What She Did podcast. I'm so happy to have you back, and I'm so happy to have my two guests on today, Maribel Cazeta and Cheyenne Woods, who are the hosts, I'm sorry, Cheyenne is the host, Maribel is the producer and co-creator, Birdie's Not BS podcast, which is, of all things, a golf podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm excited to do this episode because it's something I would never have thought of on my own. I never at any point would have thought of having a pro golfer and somebody who produces a golf podcast on this show because I don't like golf, as I have shared with you. (laughs) I generally don't have any interest in it at all. So when you have this idea, Maribel, to talk about how you are through your podcasting, being disruptive in the golf space, I was very like, that's pretty cool, especially because it's something I don't like. So (laughs) welcome to the show. (laughs) Something out of your comfort zone, maybe? (laughs) 
<laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having us, Tenji. Yes, this is exciting. Yeah, thrilled to have you. So as I shared before we started recording, I basically hate golf. <laughs> always have. And, you know, one of the main premises of your show, Birdies Not BS, is that you are producing content around making golf so it's relevant to other people than the stereotypical golf fan or golfer, golf participant. Mm -hmm. What do you call yourselves? Golfers? (laughs) Yeah, golfer. (laughs) Golfers, which is stereotypically older white men, correct? I would agree with that. What do you think, Cheyenne? 100%. I've been playing golf my whole life, so the golf world is somewhat normal to me, but I know that for outsiders looking in, it is a little bit intimidating, maybe not as relatable. And so that is why we wanted to kind of bring our audience into something that was special and unique to us and show them that it can be special and unique to them as well. Okay. I get it. I get it. So let's back up a little bit and talk about the starting point. So for you, Cheyenne, as a woman of color, how did you get into golfing and eventually become a pro golfer? So I'm 29 years old now and I've been playing golf since I was five. My grandpa got me started when I was super young. He was the only one really in my family and my uncle who played golf. And I just, I loved it. And I think the one thing that I loved about it was that it was different, not only as, you know, a brown girl growing up in Phoenix, but also as a girl, just being a girl in general and playing a sport that was predominantly guys. I was a tomboy and I loved beating the boys. I loved doing something that was different. And so I continued golf all the way through high school, college, and this is now my eighth year playing professionally. And I love it. I still love beating the boys. I still love, you know, being able to be a woman of color and representing a sport that you don't necessarily see that image so often. Mm -hmm. So how were you received on the golf course when you came into the pro world specifically? When I came into the pro world, I was pretty well received, mainly because I have a pretty famous last name in Woods. But I would say outside of known golf world, I do get some looks because you don't see very many women playing golf who actually know what they're doing, are athletic, and can compete. And so that's a stereotype that we try to kind of debunk. And it's a stereotype that I like to just kind of prove myself in that women can play golf, that golf is for them. So in the golf world in general, I'm pretty well received, but I'm still definitely a minority, whether it be because I'm a woman or because I'm a black woman. So there's still definitely room to improve there. Mm -hmm. Are you related to Tiger Woods? I am. He's my uncle. He's the uncle. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's just the uncle that plays golf. Yeah. (laughs) He's just, uh, yeah. You made it sound like he was just like, you know, a guy that kind of likes golf. (laughs) (laughs) Just this random guy that's in my family. Yeah. Tiger Woods, like, even I know who Tiger Woods is, and I don't even like golf. Yes. Okay. And you hate golf. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So at what point did Maribel and you, Cheyenne, get together and decide that you're going to create this podcast, and why? It was... Well... Sorry, go ahead, Mari. I was going to say that a funny thing happened. I... How I, I've always been a fan of golf. Not, I wouldn't say my whole life, to be honest with you. I didn't know much about golf growing up. I learned more about golf as I got older. When I was in college, my cousins, my younger cousins played a lot of golf in Mexico. And they're the ones who kind of got me interested in the sport. And then I just kind of took it upon myself to learn. I got some lessons. I got interested. But I felt like I was kind of taken advantage of when I uh, first started playing. 
as a woman and just as a minority, I, I didn't feel very welcomed. But also, like I said, I, I paid a lot of money for these lessons. I didn't really feel like I got a lot out of them. So one day randomly last year, I just came up with the idea thinking, you know what? I really wish that I had more people to play with. I wish that I could uh, get my friends interested in the sport. How would I do that? And it occurred to me that I had another podcast that I have that experience as a producer. So I thought, well, my husband's a really big golfer and he used to be a professional golfer as well. Cheyenne, you know, Cheyenne's a friend, like maybe we should do something. Mm -hmm and try to grow the game of golf. So I posed the idea to Cheyenne and Doug one night over dinner. She was just over the house like we were just having dinner and she loved it. And Doug originally was like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> but we just kind of like made him. <laughs> so you came up with a show that is hosted by two people of color. One also happens to be a woman in a space that is really not about those things. So tell me about that. How was it received? What were the, what was the feedback when you first launched the show? What do you think, Cheyenne? We had some really great feedback because it is so rare in the golf world to have the image of two people of color representing a sport and actually speaking about it in a knowledgeable way with personality, with relatability, and with the experience that we have. Um, so I think that it just hit a market that has not really been tapped into in the golf world yet, which is really exciting for us because we want to be able to have that voice to reach out to a community that might not feel like they have been represented well. Um, and then for me, you know, I always love just sharing golf with people who might not think golf has always been for them. Um, and so for us to be able to have that strong image of, again, two minorities in this sport that is so elitist sometimes mm -hmm. to show that this is it can be a cool thing for everybody. And it's not as scary as it might seem. So you're still in the sport professionally, Cheyenne, correct? Okay. Yeah, I'm still playing. Yes. Okay. You're still playing. And it's still a space that is what it is. And so with your with your sport and what you do in the sport, what is the impact that you're trying to have? So the impact that I'm trying to have and that I see most often is people, whether it be little boys or little girls or grown adults, coming to tournaments and following me simply because I'm a woman of color, simply because they can relate to me in that way that I have curly hair, or I have brown skin. And it's very, very rare to see on the professional tour. On the LPGA tour in the last 70 years, there's only been eight women of color that have ever played. And so I think it's so important for me to have that platform and continue that image out there that it's possible and it is for you and that we can do this and be successful at it. And I think it's also about like leadership and building confidence within women and people of color. Because when you think about golf, I know that Tanjia, you said that earlier, you know, it's, it can be so elitist and it's true, but it can also open up so many opportunities and so many doors for you as a person. Like, for example, my husband and I talk about this all the time. He's like, I would never know some of the people that I know, or I would never be friends with some of the people that I'm friends with if it were not for golf. Golf has opened up opportunities for him and I've seen it firsthand. It's opened up opportunities for other people. And I do think that it opens up doors for all of us. I just, it just can be really intimidating. And that's the problem. That was the one thing that I was seeing a lot. There's a big barrier of entry. Yes, because it's costly, but also because simple intimidation. You feel like you don't know what you're doing. You don't fit in. So we wanted to create something that was going to disrupt this idea of like, I don't belong. 
No, you do belong and you do have a right to be there. And here's how you're going to do it. And we are here to support you and guide you and give you no BS <laughs> about what it is to be, you know, to enjoy the game of golf and to learn the game of golf and not try to sell you this idea of like, you have to buy the best clubs or you have to have the best country club membership. Like, no, you don't need to. Is it cool to have it? Yes. But you can also go about it in different ways. I mean, that's really interesting. Have you found that through either you, Cheyenne, being on the pro golfer tour or through the podcast that more women or people of color are coming into the sport now? We've definitely had a lot of people reach out to us and say, wow, I'm so glad that you guys spoke about this topic because I've been feeling that way on the golf course, whether I don't feel welcome or I think I need to have an expensive country club membership or I do feel this way when I'm out playing and it's just a bunch of guys. I think just helping the listeners be a little bit more comfortable in whatever relationship they have with golf is a huge step. And then hopefully then branching out and having people try golf that haven't in the past. I've definitely seen an increase in interest in the game. And like, for example, if you look at the people that, well, you can't really see them, <laughs> but our <laughs> listeners, a lot of the listeners that we have are minorities. Uh, a lot of them are women. We have gotten some really cool messages from people. In fact, last week, we got an amazing email from a woman, a Latina, who plays golf. Her husband plays golf too. And she just, she wrote the most heartfelt email saying, thank you for putting this information out there, but also thank you for making it real and for making us feel like we can relate and being a voice. Because even in media, even in the golf media, <laughs> when you look at the shows that are out there, when you watch the golf channel and when you listen to podcasts about golf, there is nothing out there like our show. There's nothing out there that is produced by people of color entirely, that is hosted by people of color entirely. And so we are doing something super unique that is disturbing the industry of golf, but also the game and the media around golf. And that I think is really exciting. Hi friends, it's me, Tangia Renee, dropping in to invite you to our two-year anniversary and Women's History Month live show. It's going to be an all-around celebration. And if you're in the Denver area on March 26th, we'll be at the Riveter in the Rhino Arts District. For this live podcasting event, we're doing something special. We're calling it Masterclass Minis, where we bring back a few of our most popular guests to update us on what they're doing next, and they share with us what they want everyone to know about becoming a woman of impact. Come to build new connections or come to learn from brilliant women. Either way, we're going to have a blast. So be there or be square. Tickets available on Eventbrite, but space is limited. So do not wait. Follow the link in the show notes and make sure you join us on March 26th at 6 p.m. I'll see you there. Smooches! About the media side of things, have you been received well or is the media even like the larger media in the golf world even paying attention? I mean, I wish they were. <laughs> <laughs> like, wake up, people. No, some of them are. We have got, had some really cool conversations with people from ESPN and from other reporters from other channels and other mediums who have recognized our show, who have listened and have great things to say. Cheyenne, have you experienced anything in particular? 
Yeah. So when I'm out, especially when I'm out playing and I'm dealing with the media or I'm dealing with, especially like the tour staff and the players, I've had multiple people come up and say how much they enjoy the show and how different it is, whether they are from Golf Channel or a local reporter, that they're aware of it and that it's different, that it sparked a conversation, that we're talking about things that aren't always talked about in golf, that some people steer away from or can't necessarily deliver in an approachable way that we've been able to do. And that's the thing, like that's the key, approachable. It's actually a term used in golf which I can't really define as well as <laughs> an approach shot. Yes. Uh, but I use that term all the time. Like this is a different approach. This is a modern approach to golf that we are bringing to the table. And we are really wanting to have different conversations because golf is more than just a game. It's really a life, a way of life. And so if we can have difficult conversations that surround the game of golf, like race, like sexism, like prejudice, I mean, all of these conversations can be had around the game of golf because they really reflect what golf has been in the past. And we're now trying to move forward and be a more modern you know, perspective or modern approach to the game. So I want to ask you about that. But before we get there, um, I'm curious about accessibility, right? So for, I think a lot of maybe women and communities of color, golf just isn't that accessible. I agree. I've always said that's probably the biggest barrier that golf has in growing the sport. You grow up, you have a basketball, you can grab a baseball bat, a soccer ball, um, you can go in the backyard or out in the Mm -hmm. street. But with golf, you need access to a golf course, a golf club, a lot of courses you need to wear proper clothing. So that is definitely the difficult aspect, I think, in creating an approachable game and a relatable game. And there are so many programs that we try to make available or that we try to tell our listeners about that make it more accessible, whether you're an adult or a kid and you just want to learn. But that, I think, is the toughest thing to kind of get over in the sport of golf, that you do need that that access to it to even get your hands on it. Well, and I think what's really important to highlight, too, is that golf is not just for privileged people. And I know that it sounds really lame coming from us <laughs> because we are privileged enough to play the game or to at least get to experience it. But they don't know. They don't understand where we've been or where we come from. You know, I grew up middle class. Cheyenne grew up middle class, too. And we didn't have all of the resources either. We learned as we went. Like I said before, I didn't buy my first set till I was an adult and I had a job. So, you know, it it is a little bit different. I didn't get it as a kid. But there is a big problem when it comes to access. And we have talked about it on the show. We talk about ways that we can improve that. We want to bring this actually season two. We want to bring some experts in as guests so that we can discuss a little bit more about what else can we do to make the game more accessible and to keep growing the game. And why is it important? There are other topics out there like sustainability. You know, obviously you're talking about all these green facilities that are using all this water. How is the golf industry preparing for shortages in the future? And there are a lot of things that I think a lot of people are bothered by when it comes to golf. And that's why they stay away uh, because it does come off as this like elitist and like almost wasteful sport. Sure. And I'm just being super real here mm-hmm. because I think about this stuff all the time. No, it's true. It's like we go through these awesome courses, but like they use all this water. Where's the water coming from? And a lot of courses are doing things to improve that. And we are seeing so many changes in the game from indoor facilities to just different kinds of modernization that's going on. So I just think that like access 
is a problem, but it's not just about money. It's also about locations and it's about education, like letting people know, hey, if you truly are interested in the game, there's this organization here that actually lets you use clubs. You don't have to bring your own. A lot of companies are now also being more lax about clothing. And Cheyenne can probably talk about that because she's seen that a little bit more. But that's changing too, where like the polo, the typical polo is no longer necessarily the only thing you can wear. Yeah, definitely within the golf world. And I think like you had mentioned before, you didn't like golf because you had to wear a uniform. And growing up, I had to wear boys golf clothes because there were there was no such thing as girls golf clothes. There's some really good photos out there of her in boys golf clothes. <laughs> <laughs> really embarrassing, actually. But who, who wants to go out and wear baggy khakis, a button-up polo, a hat, like... You don't feel cute. You don't feel trendy. It's not convenient to be able to just go and play a sport. But nowadays, all of the sporting companies, athletic companies are, I can go out and wear Air Maxes and play golf. I can go out and wear just like an athletic t-shirt that I don't get hot and sweaty. And I can wear a flat brim hat and like actually look trendy and play golf and be cool and go to dinner right after. And nobody even knows I was at the golf course. So little things like that that can connect to modern culture, I think is really important to make the sport more relatable and just to make it cool and make people want to actually go and buy a golf outfit and feel like excited about it. So beyond the the style, like the aesthetic style of the sport, what needs to happen within the sport to make it more well, I guess for me, it would be interesting but, but to make it more <laughs> engaging and accessible for, you know, communities yeah. that historically have not been engaged in the sport. I think a lot of it, like I said, has to do with education, starting with letting people know, you know, spreading the word a little bit better. Like, hey, if you're interested or like even remotely interested in starting, taking up the game of golf, maybe, you know, try these places, like some of these shorter part three courses uh, where it doesn't take you all day to play around. You know, you can be there in and out in two hours or go to this driving range. You know, we have happy hours here and you can get, you know, you maybe you get a group lesson and a drink for 50 bucks and you get to learn something new. Like we need more of that. I think that's what I would like to see more of more engaging activities around the game of golf that are not just about let me pick up my clubs and go play 18 holes I agree um that's something that I know is a huge turnoff even for me sometimes I don't want to go out and play golf (laughs) for five hours so you know along those lines and then also I think as we mentioned with our show what we're trying to do is just have the representation you know obviously us on the media side and then on the playing side when Tiger Woods came up and you know was dominating the whole tour, you did see a wave of people grow a huge interest in golf in every single community. I'm sure that's plateaued a little bit, but for me, it's exciting as a golfer to see athletes like Steph Curry get involved with golf. You're seeing Schoolboy Q get involved with golf and these celebrities who are showing an interest in a sport that hasn't really had that in the past. So I think that if kids who might not have a direct connection to golf can see that their favorite athlete or their favorite rapper is golfing, um, that they can then have that connection and then reach out and get that education of how they can now get into the sport as well. Also, the the change needs to come from the top. I always say this, and I know I sound like a recording (laughs) because I've talked to you about this tension Mm -hmm. (laughs) in other areas. But it really does. The change needs to come from the leadership in golf. And we are hoping to help motivate them through what we're doing as well. Because I think that if the golf industry starts to see how much 
minorities really matter when it comes to the game, how much we really do have an impact on their bottom line. Then that's when policy started to lax. That's when things start to change. That's when they start to make more programs available. And even the way that they treat people starts to be more open-minded. Unfortunately, we are dealing with a sport that was incredibly sexist, incredibly racist for many years. And that's the history. You can't erase that. So we should acknowledge that. And we do. We acknowledge it. But how do we move past that? How do we grow from there? I think it has a lot to do with leadership, too. And that's why I'm always very much I'm an advocate. I'm always advocating for Doug and Cheyenne, who are the hosts of the show, to speak out, to reach out. Anytime somebody comes up with an idea of having them on their show or having them, you know, speak to kids, I really encourage them to do that. Because if People see them out there talking about this stuff that can be uncomfortable for other people to talk about. Like I said, we've done episodes on racism, sexism. Some of these topics have been very uncomfortable for even some of our listeners. But if we can do that, if we can prove that those conversations are important, then other people will continue to have them. To your earlier point, historically, the institution of golf has had lots of problems, right? The isms, sexism, racism, there's no denying it. So when you take that context, and look at the the existing culture of golf. Do you think that beyond the sport wanting to be able to make more money, do you think that there's a genuine interest there to diversify the audience? That's a very great question because I know that in today's world, diversity is a really powerful word and it's the moneymaker. So... Of course, you know, it's in their best interest to hop on the bandwagon and let's diversify the sport. I think the only way we'll know if it is genuine is to see the longevity of it. So for me, it it is hard to say. And it's a little sad, too, that it is difficult to say whether it's genuine or not, um, at least from the top of these organizations. I know there's a lot of other organizations, whether it be local or something like we're doing, where, yes, we want to diversify the game. But in terms of these professional golf organizations, it is hard to say. And also as far as like, is there an interest within the minority community to necessarily, you know, get out there and play more golf and want to participate more? I think it's not just about the minority community, but it's also about the younger generations. I think that people nowadays, you know, people our age or younger mm-hmm. are looking for more interactive ways to entertain themselves. And like I said, less costly, long rounds, more short experience type activities that involve socialization and not just like playing with two people or four people. And so I think that in general, is there interest there? Yes, the community does have interest. There are definitely a lot of people out there who are very interested in the game of golf. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but there was a study done a year and a half ago that actually shows that the minority participation has increased, but not as fast as we hope. But I think it's not just about minorities. I think it's about people who are now wanting more meaningful experiences. We don't have a lot of time anymore. We have a lot of limited resources and time. Mm -hmm. So we want to get the best (laughs) for our buck and the best for our free time. So like if I have two free hours after work before I have to be home and make dinner, what can I do? And does that mean that I can go enjoy nine holes instead of 18 holes, which is a typical round? Does that mean that I can go to a happy hour with my girls where I can learn from a group, you know, in a group setting how to better my golf skills, but I'm having fun. There's music playing. Like 
the game has to become more interactive. The game has to evolve. Things have to be modernized. I think that that is definitely a key to growing the game and continuing to grow. It's a hard question to answer because like, is the interest there? Yes. But also we have to modernize. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why Top Golf is so popular, right? right. Like, I live definitely it is. less than 10 minutes away from a Top Golf and that place is always packed. And now do you go there? Yeah, I've been to Top Golf several times. I actually <laughs> like it. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> I wouldn't go like every week or something like like some people do. Like if somebody invites me to Top Golf, yeah, I'll go to Top Golf. It's, yeah, it's, it's cool. But beyond that, like I just can't. I don't know. <laughs> that, no, but that's a really cool thing that you say because a lot of people will go to Top Golf, but they won't go to a driving range yeah. or they won't go play nine holes. And I'm going to tell you something. It is probably. I don't want to say cheaper because it depends on where mm -hmm. you go. But in my experience, it is more affordable to go to a golf course and play nine holes than it is to go to Top Golf. <laughs> yeah, 100%. probably. <laughs> yeah. And at least you get to be outside, you know? I mean, there, it's a different experience. Mm -hmm. Top golf is fun. I'm not, don't get me wrong. But I think that people have a misconception about like how expensive or how hard it is. And that's where we come in. That's our job. That's where we need to fill this gap of like, yo, it's really not that bad. It's really not that expensive. Compare it to if you go to Top Golf with your buddies, you can definitely go to a driving range and spend $10 on a bucket of balls and, you know, knock out some stress out of your life, even if, it's, if that's all you do that day, <laughs> you know? Hey friends, this episode is brought to you by Trade and Travel, a game-changing online course created by our episode one guest, Terry Egioma, founder of Invest with Terry. Terry is on a mission to teach at least a thousand people how to make a thousand dollars per day. Imagine what you could do with an extra thousand dollars in a month, let alone making that much in a single day. That's why I'm excited that Terry has made her game-changing program, Trade and Travel, widely available. I'm going to take the course and you can take it too. All you have to do is use the link in the show notes to get access to the course now. Let's learn how to make a thousand dollars in a day together. I mean, who couldn't use an extra thousand dollars? I know I can. I mean, who am I? Mike Bloomberg? Of course I could use an extra thousand dollars. People who have taken the course are actually able to quit their jobs so they can travel the world with all the money they've made learning how to master the stock market. And I'm not ashamed to say that I want that life. You guys, let's trade and travel together. Just click on the link in the show notes and get started now. Use link bit.ly forward slash she did invest to learn how to get started with trade and travel. Here's the thing that I'm like not wrapping my head around is why from your perspective is it so important to make this game and the culture around it evolve? I would say for me, the history of golf, I want to be able to show that it's evolved. I want to be able to show that it's for everybody. I know for me personally, I've 
been given so many opportunities because of the game of golf, because there aren't many women, there aren't many women of color. You know, I went to college, I've been able to travel. And even if you're not on the competitive side of it, I know how many doors it opens in the business world. You know, especially I've done so many clinics and I've met so many women in the corporate world that feel left out because the guys go and have their golf days. A lot of business gets done on the golf course. A lot of relationships get built on the golf course. And I think that's a great environment for people to be able to enter and feel comfortable in and be able to have that as a part of their world as well. Yeah, I was going to say for me, it represents equality. Mm -hmm. So I look at things in a grander scale. And I was talking to Cheyenne about it earlier, how like, we really need to embrace that thought process of golf is life. There's a hashtag, very popular hashtag called hashtag golf is life. And a lot of people think that it's because we're talking about it being like, oh, it's our life. Golf is our life. No, I think a lot of people use that hashtag in reference of golf reflects life. And if golf reflects life, then what does that mean? What is that saying about our future and our world? Is it representing us correctly? Is it representing our communities? But also, is it giving us the opportunities? So like when I was in business school, my professor told me that he said, you want to get an advantage, learn golf or, you know, start playing golf because unfortunately, and I'm not saying this is fair, but life ain't fair. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of stuff does happen on the golf course that is business related that a lot of women specifically are left out of. And I didn't want to be one of those people that couldn't say, you know, oh yeah, sure. I can, I can play if somebody asked me in the business setting. Right. So we want people to just have that comfort level and the confidence to be able to go, you know, if they're in a business meeting or in a networking gathering that when someone goes, we're getting together some people to play golf this weekend, do you play to have the confidence to say, I do play mm -hmm. and I can hold my own. So if you can be a part of that, then do become a part of the conversation. Then you're suddenly now exposed to other types of people who have other points of views. And those people, more importantly, are exposed to you who maybe have never been able to hang out with a person of mm -hmm. color or have or don't hang out with a lot mm -hmm. of women. And you could bring a different perspective to what their thought process is. I mean, I'm getting very like dreamy here, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, there's been several times that I've had to go to like a golf tournament fundraiser thing, you know, for past jobs. And I mean, to your point, I hated it. Like it was my job to be there and play the <laughs> game, but I didn't know how to play. And so I felt dumb. And I'm a competitive person. I'm a very athletic person. I've been engaged in a lot of sports my whole life. So to show up for something like that and feel like I couldn't play was like, yeah, it was yeah. awful. I hated every second of it. It's not a good feeling. <laughs> and I feel like golf is so unique in a sense that it is a social sport. We see it so much within our communities and our culture, but at the same time, there is that barrier that not everybody can play. So if you have a work event and it's a basketball charity, everyone knows how to shoot a basketball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know about okay. that. <laughs> Maybe not you. <laughs> But golf is that one sport where you can't just pick it up and try to go play as easily as others. And so I think for us, that's why we just kind of want to break down those walls and show mm -hmm. that it's really not as intimidating as it should be. And maybe it seems ridiculous. Like some people will tell me and I have friends who will be like, well, why? Why does business have to happen on the golf course? Why can't they make it even? And we can just go to a spa or, you know, whatever. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just, but the thing is, it just does. Right. Yeah. So 
unfortunately, at this point in our lives, in our society, that's how it goes down, right? So we are still being led by a majority of white men who enjoy playing the game of golf. If you look at company structures, most of them have primarily white men in leadership positions. So if we want to really break down that, you know, that stereotype, or if we really want to break barriers, I hate to say this, but we got to be where they are. We have to meet them there too. It's not just about them coming to us. We have to go there as well. It's a two-way street. And so we can't just expect society to be like, well, here, let's just change the way that people have fun so that you can have more communication with the leadership. <laughs> no, like it's a 50-50 situation. And so at this point in time, that's where we see equality, you know, being such an important part of our lives is in the golf course. We really truly see a reflection of what's going on in American society and how we can break down those barriers. So it brings me to my next question that is what you were talking about earlier, Maribel about how you are having tough conversations with the larger golf community on the podcast around race and sexism. So how's that been? (laughs) (laughs) You start, Cheyenne. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I love it because like I said, I've played golf my whole life. And so as a woman of color, I've seen you know, especially as a woman in golf, I've heard the comments, I've seen people be treated differently. I think that the conversations are so important to have. And because I am in that position to where I've experienced it, I've been playing golf for the last 25 years. I feel very comfortable and confident in speaking on my own experiences, what I've seen. And so I genuinely enjoy the conversations. I enjoy the positive and the negative feedback. Everyone has different perspectives. Everyone has had their own experiences. And so I think it's just important to have those conversations to get them started so that we can just get it out there and Mm. you can just hear from everybody and where they're coming from. And we've had some negative feedback as well. You know, like it's funny, sometimes we ourselves have felt a little bit uncomfortable about having some of these topics, but we get past it. (laughs) And usually it's me pushing them. (laughs) Like, you'll be fine. It's totally okay. (laughs) But I'm so glad that Doug and Cheyenne trust me when it comes to these things, because I really do believe that if there's one thing that we can offer the public is no bullshit. And that is the one thing that I keep saying, like, please, you guys, like, if we do nothing else, let's just be no bullshit. Like, give them the straight information, like, give it to them, like, they need to hear it. Let's not be freaked out by what other people think, because I know that we're small in the context of media, but we're big and mighty when it comes to our thoughts Mm -hmm. and what we stand for. And that is valuable, you know, and people do relate to it. And while we've had some really positive impact and a lot of positive conversations have stemmed out of our shows, we've also had some negative things and some people can't relate and they can't understand why we need to talk about that kind of stuff and why we need to soil ourselves with sexism and golf when it really shouldn't matter. Like, who cares? Like, let's just pretend like it doesn't exist. (laughs) We know that that doesn't work. So you have to be brave. And I'm very proud of Doug and Cheyenne because they have been brave in embracing some of these topics. And we're not done yet. I mean, we just kind of like scraped, you know, the tip of it last year in our season one. We didn't do a whole lot of that, of being uncomfortable. I'm hoping that this season we're going to get a little bit more uncomfortable just get a little bit deeper conversation going around a lot of other things, not just those two topics. But I think that's what we owe. We owe the Mm -hmm. listeners is just the no BS. What specifically have those difficult conversations been around so far? Well, the two biggest, I would say, most uncomfortable ones were the one about racism and the one about sexism. I don't know if you agree with me, Cheyenne. Yeah, I think those are the two biggest 
stereotypes about golf and they're not only stereotypes but some of it is still very true so those were definitely the two that we had I think the most engagement with fans and listeners and just conversations sparked because, you know, some people, like you said, they either don't like talking about it, they want to ignore it, or they just truly don't believe that it's happening. And so it's very important just to get that out there and share our experiences and just be real about it and say this is what's actually happening, whether you see it in your day-to-day life or not. Yeah, I think the sexism one surprised me because the same people, some of the same people that were like really excited about the racism episode were kind of combative about the sexism episode. Like some of the men thought, well, I don't understand. Like, what's the big deal? I don't get it. Why? Because there's this thing in golf, some people still call the, is it the fronties? No, it's not the fronties, right? Yeah, there's normally multiple sets of tees, which make the course shorter or longer. Mm -hmm. And for years and years and years, the front tees, the shortest tees are always known as the ladies tees. And so in our show, we brought up the fact, it doesn't mean that only women play there. Like it's just for someone who hits it shorter. Like I don't play the ladies tees. I've never played the ladies tees, but some people had a real issue with us bringing that to uh, bringing that point. Yeah. They, they really didn't understand why it, it was a big deal to call them the ladies tees. Like, well, what's wrong with calling them the ladies tees? And it's like, well, <laughs> let me g- explain to you what sexism means. <laughs> it's like, you're assuming that a woman can only hit it so mm-hmm. far. And, and then men who maybe can't hit it that far, think that they can't hit off of those tees because they might be looked at as, you know, like they're not manly enough or whatever. Like it just, it creates all kinds of negativity. Just the simple term ladies tees is so negative. And there are other terms, other sexist terms in golf too. We talked about all male golf courses. That was another one that was very interesting uh, of a conversation. And it's just, there are a lot of different things. There's all male golf courses? Oh yeah. You didn't even know. It's a thing. (laughs) Yes, it's a thing. Like country clubs that are private and just men. Marty Bell, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but their husband was going to play golf at an all-male golf course and she was going to drop him off and they wouldn't even let her enter the clubhouse. Oh, yeah, that was me. It was you. (laughs) Yeah. I was dropping off my dear husband yeah. <laughs> at an all men's golf course. And he was like, don't get out of the car. I'm like, why? Because you're not allowed. Technically, you're actually not allowed in this area. I just told them that you were dropping me off. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> should I also be waiting at home naked by the stove? With the- I know, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you probably should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, why are you going to this golf course? <laughs> what? But, I need explanations. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a thing. It increases the stereotype of of it being a boys club type of sport which in so many ways it is so yeah and it's like in fact we want to talk about the pay gap this Mm -hmm. year we are looking forward to doing an episode about the difference in money earned between the guys that are on the pga tour and the ladies on the lpga tour it's so significant i mean it's crazy how much of a difference there is just like a lot of you know you've heard this a lot in athletics and professional athletics how the women just tend to make less money than the men and it happens in golf too it's kind of scary do you happen to know what the gap is like how much more the men make i don't know cheyenne do you uh the men make more than 50% more than us. 
you know, some of it does come down to the the business aspect of it. But even in terms of TV and the way that we're covered, it's just not as much as the men. And that's where sponsors come from. That's where the money comes mm-hmm. from. That's how you do grow tours. And so really, it, it does go down to the grassroots of representing women's sport, making sure that we are getting the TV coverage and the media coverage that we deserve. So people know that we are a valuable asset to the sporting industry and want to support support us. And therefore you can close the pay gap a little bit more too that way. Yeah. We were watching um, coverage of the LPGA tournament this past weekend, Doug and I were, and we were both thinking to ourselves, why is this so different? <laughs> like the way they cover it, even in media, they don't have enough cameras for the correct amount of coverage that they get. So like, for example, you see like the same people over and over only, or you only see certain holes in the PGA when you're watching a PGA tournament, which is the men's, you see like all the highlights. They give you all the highlights. And so it seems more exciting. Mm -hmm. It's like they're selling you this like more exciting package. But when you see the LPGA one, they can't even give you all the highlights because they miss them because they don't have enough cameras. They don't have enough coverage. And even the announcers, honestly, sometimes the announcers don't seem as excited. Um, (laughs) It's just like, it needs a little... A little spice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it could use a little spicing up. And it's just, I don't know. Is there an internal movement from the women players or elsewhere to change that dynamic like we see happening in women's basketball and women's soccer? The Colorado Classic, the women's pro bike race did something really, I think, innovative around this. So I'm wondering, is there anything happening in golf now? There's always the conversation happening within the tour of how we can improve not only the pay, but our lifestyles on tour, whether it be with daycare or the maternity leave. So those are things that are always improving every year. And it's stuff that the guys like daycare and maternity leave, they don't necessarily have to deal with that. A lot of the men travel with their families and their wives. And, you know, as women, there's so many women on tour who travel with one or two kids on their own. Maybe they have a a nanny, but those are conversations that are always happening and trying to improve our TV coverage and sponsorships. How can we be better players so that we can be hospitable to sponsors? And we do work very hard as LPGA Tour players to entertain sponsors, whereas the men don't necessarily have to. We are somewhat of a hospitality business to get that attention, to get that money into our tour. So there are so many conversations and it has improved, I would say in the last few years, especially since I've been on tour. So it's exciting, but it's definitely just baby steps into the bigger picture of hopefully creating a little bit more equality there. Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard, again, I don't pay attention to what's happening to golf. (laughs) I pay attention to every other sport except golf. (laughs) So so I do know that in other sports, the women players have come together and sort of organized themselves in a way to create action. Has anything like that happened? I mean, beyond a conversation has to happen, right? And Things can improve incrementally year over year. But at a certain point, you have to demand change or it just isn't going to happen. So is demanding happening yet? And what does that look like? So in terms of demanding, the only thing I'm really familiar with is the maternity leave that we had in the past was really unfair. It was similar to tennis where you would lose some of your status, you would lose your world ranking just because you had a kid and you weren't playing, you weren't working for a year or so. As of recently with sponsors as well, um, there's been some really big corporations that if their athlete got pregnant, they would lose their sponsorship money. 
And so athletes were speaking up, like just because I have a baby and I physically cannot compete for X amount of months, I'm not going to get paid. And I have no say in that. So different things like that, even outside the sport of golf, but especially in golf, there have been demands made by the women that have been taking action now, which has been really good. Mm -hmm. So there is progress happening there. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's like a little bit maybe slower or has a little bit less of a momentum than some of the other sports like Mm -hmm. soccer, you know, it's like at the forefront of people's minds. We hear about what's going on with them and their lawsuit all the time. But in golf, I think part of the issue is that just not as many people are paying attention and we really do. We really do need to pay attention to all the ladies sports because they affect the equality overall when it comes to, you know, like the way that females are treated mm-hmm. in general. I mean, that's how I look at it. You know, I feel like it's for everyone when it comes down to it. Like, yes, do they choose to play a professional sport? Yes, but they're talented and they deserve to get paid just as much as the men do. Well, and they're still working just as hard as any of the men. Exactly. Like, I mean, you know, a lot of arguments could be made for like the privilege of being a professional athlete who who's, you know, making a ton of money. But the the reality is that a lot of professional female athletes, female, don't make that much Mm. money. They're they're really not like, it's not that kind of lifestyle that you think, you know, like that you see the men having. So there is a huge discrepancy there. And I think that a lot of it honestly could be shared. I would love to see more real stories from women, from professional athletes who just tell us how it really is, like share their lifestyle, their, you know, their struggles, their ups and downs. We're so used to just seeing the happy, positive, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever selfies all the time. And I'm like, it doesn't impress me anymore. Like I need to see something real. Yeah, it doesn't impress me either. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And like, I just think that the only way you're going to impact change is to be real, like to actually have people recognize that like my life is not that easy. Like, and I don't want to put you on display, Cheyenne, but like we, we've talked about this before, like people make assumptions about Cheyenne just because she has the last name Woods. But she didn't grow up the way that people think she grew up. She's not, you know what I mean? She's not like this whatever grandiose (laughs) millionaire that people may assume that she is. And I think that that's so unfair because like we get some really weird, hateful messages from people sometimes that are like, oh, Cheyenne thinks she's relatable, but she really how can she relate to me? It's like, you have no idea how relatable she really is. A lot of us don't know that. Cheyenne's out here working for her money just like the rest right. of us. Right, I'm trying to pay these bills. <laughs> I am working. I love it. Thank you, both of you, Cheyenne and Maribel, for um, bringing this topic idea to me. Again, I never would have thought of it on my own and joining me on the podcast today. I appreciate you two so much. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. (laughs) Thanks for having us. How can our audience learn more about you two and get in touch with the show? So the show, Birdies Not BS, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Birdies Not BS. Our season will be starting soon in April, so you can listen to our older episodes and then be anticipating our new episodes coming up. I'm Cheyenne Woods on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me. And then we're also on birdiesnotbs.com. So that's our website where you can go and sign up for our newsletter. And if you sign up for the newsletter, you get special, you know, like behind the scenes content that we send out sometimes. And as well... You'll get notified as soon as our season two is ready to go. 
you'll be first to know. So definitely sign up for that. And uh, yeah, you just hit us up on social media or, or on the website. We have a space for questions. So whatever questions people have, they throw in there and we try to answer them on the show. Wonderful. Thank you too, again, for joining me on the show. All right, listeners, my uh, friends, my inspiration junkies, as I like to call you guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of That's What She Did podcast. I hope you feel inspired by these two women that are out here paying these bills just like the rest of us, (laughs) but also trying to have an impact in an industry and a sport that isn't trying to be impacted, I don't think. (laughs) So... Amen. I I agree with you. (laughs) It's rough out here. (laughs) Listen to the show. Help us out. Check out the show. Make sure you hit subscribe. And as you know, as you have done with this show, the show has grown exponentially because of your shares. Support this show, Birdies Not BS, by subscribing and sharing as well. Thanks again. Until next time, we out. We out.